Well, good evening, LCM. Tonight is Wednesday, August 26, 2020. Look, we just want to take just a second to recap what's been going on here in our midst. We've been through seven steps that were leading us towards repentance, a demonstration of godly sorrow. Somebody say godly sorrow. Godly sorrow. That mechanism within God's kingdom which brings repentance. It leads to salvation and it leaves no regret. Man, what a good, good God that we have that he is speaking to us about living a life that has no regrets in any way. He's trying to give you hope. He's trying to give you help. He's trying to encourage you. He's trying to plow the very ground of your heart, the field of your soul, that you might have hope that as you walk forward in what he's got for you, you can live a life of absolutely no regret. And that's on top of the repentance and the salvation and the true life that he brings. Man, what a good God we have. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Hey, we've also been learning about the seven steps of the tabernacle. Yeah? Yeah. And you realize that it starts with the gates of praise of his name going to the Ark of the Covenant. And that out of all those seven steps, only one of those has to do with sin. The rest of them have to do about God's nature. That will start giving us some hope in this house tonight. See, God is planning something inside of you. He's putting a seed within you. Drawing you to dependency, and he's giving us divine direction. It's so good to be here tonight. I'm going to take a minute and just brag on my family for a second. I just had a seventh grandchild. We live in extraordinary times for more than one reason, though. Well, we have Hurricane Laura bearing down on us right now. Yeah, everybody should be afraid, very afraid, just like all of the other days, right? I think Jennifer and I went to school with Hurricane Laura, hard rotor. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's now online. I pray she's repented and become a tropical storm. Look, I want you to consider what's happening. The government now tells you to cover your face to wash your hands, to stand further apart from each other. Because you are absolutely incapable of understanding consequence for yourself and certainly not for someone else. Right now, as of tonight, the governmental officials have decided that every person who lives in Galveston has to leave. And if they don't leave, then it is a prosecutable offense, a criminal offense with a minimum of a thousand dollar fine. I'm not here to complain about the government. It's the people's fault. Why am I talking about that at all? Listen to how debased that is. You are incapable of watching the weather channel because no old people watch the weather channel and deciding what is best for your own life. Why would they do that? They do it because we have avoided consequence as a society at all costs to the fact that nobody understands consequence anymore. The government at best would have stood up at some point and made a recommendation that everybody leave. And if they didn't, then there are no first responder services for the next three days. But we can't do that anymore because the government also doesn't understand consequences. We're in a sinful situation where nobody relates what they do 
to the outcome of what they do. See, if the government makes you leave and nothing happens, then nothing will happen to the government. If the government doesn't make you leave and you call 911 and nobody comes, then you're going to blame the government for it. Nothing is your fault. Nothing is the result of a choice that you make anymore. So choices are being taken away from us at every turn. I don't care what people do in Galveston. I would like to believe as a grown man, I would have the right to decide what I eat, whether or not I wear a personal safety restraint, and whether or not I weather a storm without some elected official who knows nothing about my circumstances or my house deciding. All of it, though, relates to a continual pattern of avoiding all consequence and blaming others. It causes this situation. And friends, it's come full bloom. But we do have good news for you. There's more than one way to look at a consequence in the Bible. And tonight, since we've been repenting so well, have you been repenting well? If not, we'll repeat it. Have you been repenting well? Yeah, Kayla back there, she said, I've been repenting well. So said, she has, she had been. Because we've been repenting well, there is a consequence to that. Amen? Amen? Let's hop into the Word. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 8. We're going to start right here near the beginning. Genesis chapter 8. And when you get to verse 22, somebody say consequences for us. See, what Eric just presented to us is the way that the world does it. But the Bible turns this entire concept on its end. See, what we're going to talk about today is look at verse Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22. It says this, as long as the earth endures. Somebody say that's a long time. That's a long time. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Okay, so what we're doing is we're looking at this and we want to start off with some things that will never cease as long as you're here on this planet for sure. As long as the planet is existing, these things are not going to cease. And the very first thing that is listed in the, in the order, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest. Come on now. Seed time and harvest that you will plant, that you'll cultivate, and you will in fact get a return on what you've done. See, what Eric just mentioned to you, what's on our hearts tonight is we can't be like those who are around us and have detached what you are currently going through from the seeds and the cultivation of what you have done. Are y'all with me tonight? This concept that what you're going through, the difficulties that you're going through now are somehow not your fault. Are somehow not what you have produced from the seed time and now you're receiving a harvest on these very things right now. There's consequences to what we plant. There are consequences to what we allow to grow. There are consequences that we don't always see until harvest time. Can I encourage you tonight that sometimes the distance between harvest and seed causes us to forget that we actually planted the seed? Somebody say that's true. That's true. Look, uh... We're going to move on to some other concepts, but the way that we move on to the other concept, let's get it out there. We're not talking about horticulture tonight. This is not an agricultural principle, although we're using agricultural terms. If you want to grow an elephant, it's going to take you about 23 months. You want to grow a rabbit, 
It happens much faster. In fact, it multiplies quickly. Some things in your life, you plant a seed and it pops right up immediately. Other things have a long gestation period. And one of the things that is a disconnect in the body of Christ is, I don't know, I've been doing so good this month, I don't know why my kids are behaving the way they are. Well, it's not from what you were doing this month. It's from what you weren't doing five years ago. And it's just now caught up to you. It's now harvest time. Mm. The good news about that is it's also still planting time. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Exodus chapter 23 and look at verse 10. Say there when you're there. For six years, you are to sow your fields and harvest the fields. Harvest harvest the crops. But during the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what they leave. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. See, in reading this verse, we must understand that the seventh year was the consequence. Everybody say consequence. Consequence. The seventh year was the consequence of what you did or did not do in the previous six years. See, much of our preaching, our teaching, and the very word of God concerns itself with forecasting the consequences of not doing this in Exodus 23 correctly. So I want you to notice that It's not God's intent in Exodus to have you uh, endure a poor consequence. He's giving his people, he's giving us the standard of how to get things right. How to sow and how to have a harvest. That's never been his intent that you do not have a harvest. See, he's pointing us towards reaping goodness because of what we have been sowing. See, you don't have to preach about you living in a negative consequence. So we don't have to harp upon that again and again because you already know that you're living in a negative consequence. But here's the hope that we want to give you uh, tonight. You don't have to live in the negative consequences. Look, I I want to jump in on this so that we don't get off to a, a, a bad start, okay? Can you acknowledge that you're living in the result of negative choices? Yeah, did everybody's head go up and down there? Amen. Because otherwise you're sowing seeds of lying right now. But that's not why Exodus 23 was written. Is Exodus 23 because he doesn't want you to have a good harvest in the seventh year or because he does? Because he does. See, God's intent was that you understand that there are good consequences of being faithful now. And those consequences are are coming out in the future. We would tend to call that a reward. But you're going to find out in Hebrew it's the same word. Let's start with an English definition of consequence because we only use this negatively now, and that's not correct. Nor does that slide look correct. There we go. There we go. Definition of consequence. Something produced by a cause or necessarily following from a set of conditions. I want you to notice something. It didn't state it to be only negative. It didn't state it to be only positive. It just says something produced. See, the consequence should be thought of as the byproduct of something. That's, that's how it... Consequence to us 
has only become a negative word. Look it up in any dictionary before the last few years of gerrymandering with our dictionaries, and you will find out that it, it's not negative. It means the result of something. I want to show you something in Hebrew. Uh, so what you see on the screen is a Hebrew word, and in this lemma, it's uh, something like um, Yaakov, and it means, according to Brown's Driver and Diggs, uh, concordance, or rather lexicon, consequence, as a consequence, because of reward or end. Now, if that strikes you odd, what the Hebrew word is trying to point you towards is what the end result of what you're doing now will be. In other words, consequence, good or bad. You can see that a significant portion of the time, this same word is translated reward because of wages. Wow, have you ever thought of your choices as, as paying you a wage? <laughs> You, you can choose to give a teenager a brand new car, but there'll be a wage for that. It's wages of <laughs> sin and death when you are replacing it later. Uh, the whole concept that we want to throw at you here for a second is look at how God speaks of consequence. And it may not be what you think. It's not doom and gloom. In fact, let's work through a word study dictionary of it. Here you see this word. It's a masculine noun. We're talking about the consequence or because of something. Let's take a look at some scriptures that relate to this. Now, what we've done is we've shown you some of the first examples of this actual word throughout the Hebrew text in the Tanakh. Look in Genesis twenty-two eighteen, And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed through the consequences of you having obeyed me. Because of, subsequent to, as an end goal of you obeying me, what's going to happen? Your offspring on all the nations on earth will be blessed. Look at Genesis 26. We've put in quotes the context to help you to understand where this verse starts. The promises will be realized as a result of, from the consequences of Abraham obeying me, keeping my requirements, my commands, my decrees, and my laws. Do you understand where we're going with this? Are you seeing it? Let's show you another one. Numbers 14. As a consequence of my servant Caleb having a different spirit and following me wholeheartedly, I will. Somebody say, I will. I will. God promises to bring them into the land he went to. Psalm 1911. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great consequence. A consequence is not just a negative thing. It is the result. It is the fruit. It is the reward. It is the great reward here of what happens, of what you have been investing in and what you've been doing. Look at Psalm 119. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees. Then I will keep them all the way until the consequence is received. What an interesting way for us to think about that. How long do you need to keep doing what you're doing until you actually get the consequence of your behavior? That is what we're talking about here. So, uh, later on in Psalm 119, my heart is set on keeping your decrees all the way until I get the consequence of what you're going to give me. It's interesting in Proverbs 22.4. In the NIV, it says, humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth, honor, and life. There's not even a word there in the NIV for the Hebrew word that's there. 
But the Hebrew word that's there is saying the consequence of humility and the consequence of the fear of the Lord. It will bring wealth and honor and life into your being. That's an incredible thing for us to think about tonight. We really want you to get this. So I want you to notice something. When somebody say, look, I want to talk to you about consequence, do you wince a little bit? <laughs> yeah, of course you do, because we see it as negative. The majority of use of Strong's number 6118 in the Bible is positive. God is trying to say to you, he's not trying, he's succeeding. It's yes. us who's struggling to understand. There is a positive consequence for doing certain things. Planting the kind of seed de designed by the Word of God will benefit you. And somehow or another, we focus on the consequence of not planting the right kind of seeds. I think it has more to do with our normative experience because yes. we get it wrong more than we get it right. But the Bible actually emphasizes the positive aspect far more than it emphasizes negative consequence in the use of this particular word. Yeah. Let's go to Hosea chapter 10 and look at one of these examples of a positive consequence. Hosea 10, 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness. What are we sowing? Righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. What are we going to reap? Unfailing love. That doesn't sound good. That's a negative consequence. Keep that stuff away from me. I would rather have love that fails. Yes. Please, love, let me down. Come on now. Who wants unfailing love? Absolutely. And break up your unplowed ground. That hardness of heart. Because there's a positive consequence as a response to it. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and just rains down judgment on you. Now look, when it said break up that unplowed ground, did you wince again? Oh my God, something's wrong with me. Why is he telling you to break up your unplowed ground? He wants to give you unfailing love. He wants yes. to shower righteousness yes. on you. This is not negative. He's saying, hey, look, if you break it up, here's what's going to happen. It's the consequence of breaking it up. Oh, man, when our hearts become broken before God, we're just allowing the rain of his righteousness to come right on in. See, the Lord is giving us instructions of exactly how we are to arrive at a righteous or positive consequence. He's given us the very steps that we need because he desires for us to get it right. right. He wants every person in this room to experience his unfailing love. Every person in this room to have his righteousness showered upon you. As we break up our, un our unplowed ground. And see, when we do that, there is that promise that he will provide his righteousness that will produce fruit of righteousness inside of us. I, I, I got to jump in here for jump a second. In, baby. What does this mean for us today? Why did we start off talking to you about the last several uh, Multiple services that we've been going through. Seven things about godly sorrow. Seven ways to walk through a tabernacle. Why did we go there? Because we're saying, if you're now sowing the right kind of seeds, you can expect great consequences in your life. 
you can lift your head and say, why are we doing this? Because we've got greatness that's in front of us. Because we have a God who is trying to strengthen us. Give us fruit of unfailing love. Give us a shower of righteousness raining down upon us. That is the goal. That is the expectation. That is the consequence of where we've been as a church. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Our God is good to us. He wants to help us and strengthen us today. The other day, Jennifer and I were on our way home, and we were so excited. We got this uh, this little miniature bike, man. I mean, it's it's just the size for a grandkid. And I couldn't wait to get home and put it together. I hid it in my office, you know. And, uh, and I'm envisioning the little guys flying down the driveway in it and doing all the stuff grandkids do. And I was longing to give that to one of the grandchildren who needs to remain anonymous but it's on the front row and uh and the problem is is that particular day grandson had his lip hanging down by his belt he was streaming with tears and just could not get it together so what i was longing to give him i could not give him but as soon as he started to get it together I couldn't wait. The consequence of getting it together was a reward. I couldn't wait. We need to think about our father in those kind of terms. He has more good things to give you than some kind of retribution. If he wanted to squish you for your bad behavior, you'd be dead already. The fact that you're here is an act of mercy. And because we've been focusing on repentance, we want to talk to you about what we believe the consequence of your actions will be in a very positive sense. This is Psalm 126, beginning in verse 5. Those who sow in tears will with songs of joy. Not they might, not they could, not if the stars align it will work out, or if a governmental official allows it. It actually is a certainty like a spiritual law. If you repent properly, then God gives you joy. That sounds like a great exchange to me. Verse 6, He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return. Somebody say will. Will. With songs of joy and carrying sheaves with him. What we're finding out is that if you turn up the soil of your heart rightly and you take the seed that God is giving you, it will result in joy and growth vis-a-vis sheaves. We are believing for an abundant harvest of righteousness in this house. And the reason that we are is we see you beginning to work honestly through your present circumstances And we know that there's been some bad seed that was planted that got you in kind of this situation. But we're seeing good seed planted and we know for certain what that will cause. That's the point. That's what the Bible is aimed at. It's what the good seed will produce. You really shouldn't need it illustrated to you what the bad seed produces. But you do need it illustrated to you so that when you are reaping current consequences now, you know that you can have faith, that you keep planting the right kind of seeds now, and it will produce a harvest in your life. When, when pastor's speaking of Psalm 126, I'm thinking about Psalm 30 in verse 5. Psalm 30 in verse 5 says this, For his anger lasts only a moment. 
I, I just wanted to see if you were with us. His anger only lasts a moment. It doesn't say that he won't get angry with you. It says it's got a, it's got a definitive time period. It's got a limited amount of time that if you are doing what's right, his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor, oh, that's what we're talking about. It lasts a lifetime. This is what we're talking about is having people who know how to walk and you don't get discouraged by everything that comes up in you now. You weep, but then you rejoice. You uh, repent and then you can expect his favor to last a lifetime upon you. That has got to be the way that we engage in this. That has to be the hope that we hold on to for our difficult days, for those moments where we can feel God's anger upon us. But we know that if we repent well, we know that if we have godly sorrow, we can have His favor upon us for a lifetime. Somebody say amen to that. That is a good feel. Look, it goes on. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing has to come in the morning. Rejoicing will come in the morning. If you're constantly walking around weeping, we're saying to you today, lift up your heads. It's time to rejoice. Keep repenting. Keep repenting. Every day, weep those tears as you're going through the tabernacle. And then stand up. Then stand up and know that His favor can be upon you. That His rejoicing can come and fill you. That as you're there, you can stand confidently. You can stand boldly. You can stand powerfully. Why? Because you know the consequences of your actions. You can trust in the seed time and harvest principle that is throughout the scripture. Man, my heart is filled with excitement tonight about God's favor, about the rejoicing that comes as we are faithful to to planting the right seeds. Look, if you work through the tabernacle appropriately... In one sense, you're repenting all of the time. What pastor said is true, and I've said that many times. In another sense, you're repenting one-seventh of the time, and the other six parts, you're experiencing the glory and the goodness of God. (laughs) I I, I want you to get something, because there's a lot of confusion in the body that shouldn't be there. There's two altars for a reason. The first altar is where you break up the unfollowed ground of your heart. By the time you're at the golden altar, you are reaping the good consequence of having done that then. You stand in right relationship with God and you're experiencing sonship in every way. We're talking about today what we know is definitely in your future based on the seeds that you're planting now. Anybody want a good harvest? Yes. Yeah, sometimes the benefit of having to eat a few sandwiches you didn't want to eat that were of your own making is you learn to make better food in your harvest. You learn to go after it in a different way. Well, this church is learning that. You make some mistakes with your firstborn, well, praise God, you can have more. (laughs) Right? You you had a problem in your first few hours at work, well, praise God, there's more. You, you, You found some weeds in your yard, well, as you pulled them up, you found one more place to plant a good seed. And it will grow more assuredly then any bad thing, the promises of God are about the harvest of righteousness that comes as a consequence of planting good seed. Amen. Amos 9.13 speaks of this. The days are coming. The days are coming, said, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman. So a guy is plowed in the field, but the guy reaping is going to run right over him. You can't plant it quick enough. Until you're overrun 
by the harvest that's popping up right behind you. Come on, this is the kind of hope that God is giving us. This is the kind of hope that we're instilling inside of you. you. When you are standing there and you're looking towards the future, put your hope in the living God that you begin to plant good seed now and you're going to come to the point where Amos 9.13 is happening inside of your life. As soon as that righteousness is being sown into the ground, it's being reaped right behind you. Look, when we read the Bible, it's not a list of uh, punishments for your faults. That's not what it is. That Leviticus 23 was about six years of you doing what God said would provide a seventh year yeah. where you, you could lay back and just acknowledge he's king of the world and yes. even the aliens and widows and orphans would eat in your fields. Leviticus 26, it says literally that if you're obedient, you won't have finished moving out last year's harvest to make room for the new harvest. The idea is that the blessings associated with planting seeds of righteousness, the consequence of that, far outweighs the bad things in your life. If that weren't true, none of us would have any hope. Luke 6.21 says it this way, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Not you might be satisfied, you will be. It's a certainty. The hardships you face now for righteousness yield satisfaction in the future. You just have to be obedient long enough to actually reach that harvest. And we're seeing signs that you are. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will... What's it say? Whatever your state is today, it's like a seed. And it's going to produce a certain kind of harvest. There is a consequence that is positive for properly evaluating where you stand right now. And what the promise is, is a reversal of your situation. God is able to do that. Do you want him to do it for you? Yes. Let's all turn to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to look at verse 31. Matthew 13, verse 31. Man, as Eric is speaking, I'm reminded of passages, and you should be catching these as we're going along. How many times is talking about joy and rejoicing, songs of joy, laughing, that there's a a joy-filled presence that we have as the consequence of planting the correct seed. Look at Matthew 13 and 31. It says this, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows. Somebody say, when it grows. When it grows. Not if it grows, but when it grows. It is the largest of the garden plants and becomes like a tree. It's so large, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. What are we talking about here? We're talking about sowing something. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Somebody say seed. Seed. It's the planting of the seed which a man you take and you plant it in your life, in the field of your heart, in the field of your family, in the field that God has placed you in. And it will grow. This kind of seed will grow. It may start off small. It may start off what others may seem to be insignificant, yet it's going to grow. 
When it grows, it doesn't just grow a little bit. It grows to be the largest of the garden plants. It grows large enough to be like a tree size. It grows large enough so that others can come and perch on the goodness of what God is doing in your life. They can get refreshed. They can find peace. They can find shade because of what God is doing through the kingdom seed that is being worked into your heart. It will grow. How many of you have ever said, I just want to have faith like a mustard seed or heard that expression? Oh, yeah. How about we just throw that one away for a minute? The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's not George Michael's faith singing from the 80s. It's, It's not some intangible quality. It is acting in line with the rulership of God starts with a small thing, but it consumes your entire life. It does more than that. It provides shade for others who are around you. It does more than that. It provides and becomes the largest and most dominant thing in your life. The actions that you are sowing today, actions, not thoughts, not feelings, actions will reap a consequence that is beautiful in the future. The part of this that takes faith is to see significance in your daily diligence of doing it. Because when you don't see it right away, you have to trust that it will turn out as God said it would. Yes. But it will. And we want to encourage you in that. We're actually, we have an emergency mandate for you. So in righteousness. Amen. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll look at verse 6. See, there when you're there. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God made it grow. A very complicated scripture to understand, right? But you know what? When we look at this verse, we should see the hope that God will bring about the positive consequence. He will bring about His work as we are diligent daily with just what we've been given to do. That one man is planting the seed, another man is watering it, but who is giving it growth? Come on, who is giving it growth? We need to trust the same way that as we do daily what he's asked us to do, it's only going to be through God that will bring about the intended kingdom positive consequence. Now, nobody disagrees with that principle. I can see you're all shaking your head. You got it. You agree that God can make it grow. But this this says God made it grow. See, when you're looking backwards at it in the past, you can see that God did it. That's not our issue. Our issue is knowing that when you plant it, God makes it grow. You try for a month, don't grow weary in doing it. God will make it grow. Some of you have just broken out in new areas. You, you want one-on-one meetings with me every day. You're very excited about new revelations that you have, mostly into your need for repentance. You don't need meetings with me for that. You don't need meetings with them for that. You need to trust that God will make grow what has begun in you. You need to have confidence that God desires you to have a harvest of, of righteousness There's an emergency mandate for it to happen. And all that was necessary was that you repent. Now that you have, trust that God will make it grow. Look, you're drawn by His name. 
you come to an altar, you recognize you're deficient in every way. That drives you to repentance, doesn't it? Yeah. Now that's done. And what you are doing is renewing the image of what He wants in you. You are moving on to being led by His very presence. You're not going back and repenting at this point. The consequence of your repentance is His image is now in you. His Spirit is now leading you. His Word is now meaningful to you. And when you stand at an altar, this time it's a golden experience. You're in line with Him and Him with you. And you walk into His throne room. That is the consequence of right repentance. And we want you to wrap these things in every area of your life. Because we know what they're producing in you and we want you to have confidence of what it's producing in you. Amen. Yeah, you're not amening enough for that. Let's hear a better amen. James 1.21. We have used this. No, the pastors have been kind. They've been good. I've used this as a cudgel to beat you upside the head with. I want you to say I'm repenting from this behavior today. <laughs> Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. And the evil that is so prevalent. And humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. I I have used this verse many times to speak to your uncertainty. Like it can save you. Perhaps it'll save you. Right? The the idea that I have tried to drive home in the past is just because you've received the word does not mean that you are safe. You need to till the soil of your heart. I want you to hear it a little differently today. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. Say it's gone. It's gone. And the evil that is so prevalent. Say it's gone. It's gone. Humbly accept the word. I have. Say I have. I have. Which can save you. Not a perhaps. What you have accepted has the ability to save you. That is such good news. You have everything that you need to succeed in the kingdom. You don't need Logos 8 software. You, you don't need accordance. You don't need somebody else to sit and do this for you. What is planted in you will do it if, if you trust God to make it grow. That's right. Amen. See, this is the difference between you being dependent on circumstance or freed as a son of God that cannot be held back by any power in the world. You can grow. And we believe that that is coming in huge ways as a result of what you've been doing. Somebody say amen. 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 We want you to be encouraged enough to stay, have the staying power to be there until the consequences of your right actions are seen. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12 and let's look at verse 11. Hebrews 12, 11. It says this, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, somebody say later on. Later on. Later on, however, it produces something. It, it has a consequence in your life. It's going to give you something. What is that going to be? It's going to give you a harvest of righteousness. God can shower His righteousness upon you and more. Somebody say, wait, there's more. It produces a harvest of righteousness and shalom. It will give you both the righteousness and put your life in the right order for everyone, 
for all those who've been trained by this process, trained by the seed time and harvest process, who've understood the emergency mandate to walk in righteousness, and you're able to receive what has been produced in your life, a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of peace inside of us. Man, we are having and we are developing well-trained people in this house. You're going to be able to receive a harvest. It's going to produce in you a harvest of righteousness and shalom. And that should move us to want to keep going. It should move us to add courage to our life. To be encouraged as we walk forward in everything that God has for us. Look, God's working in us. And He's given us clearly what we need to have positive consequences. See, in Genesis, we learn that seed Time produces harvest time. They work together. In Exodus, we learn that six years of righteous work will produce unparalleled blessings in the seventh year. And throughout the Tanakh, but especially in Hosea, we saw that the Lord wants to shower righteousness upon us. In Matthew 13, we learn that we are today, that what we are today is not what the kingdom will have made you into in the years to come. That mustard seed into a great tree. In Corinthians, we learn that God will make you grow. In James, we learn that you have the plantings of success. They're within you. In Hebrews, we saw that what you're doing today is training you to live in righteousness and in peace. And our last scripture, James 3.18, may be the most compelling. Everybody turn there. Say there when you're there. Peacemakers who sow in peace. There's that first principle. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. You know what we hear in this? If you start sowing right now, your future is determined. This is a promise. This is like gravity. God is stating to you, if you sow in peace, you will raise a harvest of righteousness. And our attitude is that you will want to start planting your family right here at this altar. Sowing into them, raising up a harvest of righteousness inside of them. That we start planting for the next six years so that we can reap righteousness in the seventh. The hope that God will give us exactly what we need beginning in our families. And then that will reach out to the nations. So no more grieving over how we got where we're at. It's unimportant at this point. It was important that you recognize it. It's no longer important. Have you ever wanted to define path of success? Have you ever wanted a ladder to climb? Like, just show me what to do. I find myself meeting with people and saying the same thing I said to them three years ago. But every once in a while, they look at me and they're like, Hey, man, that makes so much sense. I'm like, thank you. It just occurred to me. Except I've said it 700 times to you. You just weren't in a place you could hear it. Repentance has put our church in a place where you're hearing differently. And there is a defined path of success. 
what you start sowing right now. Give it good six years. And in the seventh year, you will have such an overflow that it will feed everyone around you if you never planted another seed. But you will have loved planting the seed so much, you'll keep doing it. That is the principle that the Bible is teaching us. We have a really good father. In fact, Matt lied when he said it was our last scripture because I still have a microphone. Put Isaiah 49 and verse 15 on the screen. I want you to contemplate this for a minute. In fact, go home and read Isaiah 49 and tell me that he is not promising them again and again and again that the positive consequence of trusting him will not outweigh every negative consequence they had. It's what the whole chapter is about. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Look, whatever you've been enduring, whatever you maybe are embarrassed of because it shouldn't have been there, but it just, it is. Repentance takes us to a place where we're, we're like, yeah, this is just kind of, it's what it is. And you don't have to be ashamed anymore because you've squared it with your father. But the next step is to begin to plant seeds of transformation. And if it took you many, many years to get into the position you're at, then it's going to take more than a few minutes to get out of that position. But it is a surety. It is a certainty. God does not lie. Steps in the right direction, actions that are seeds right now, will absolutely repair your life and make it better than you ever thought it would be. We don't even have to talk about them. You can just do them. You have the ability to reap the positive consequences of your life solely by doing what you know God has said. It's not up to somebody else. You don't lack anything that you need. We're trying to encourage you that you can, will, and should succeed in every way. Some of you have taken steps in your house. We're proud of you. Some of you have taken steps in your personal life. We're proud of you. Some of you are taking steps with your children. We are proud. Here's what we know for certain. It will change your future. It will. As surely as a bad decision comes home to roost, a good one also multiplies righteousness everywhere in your life. If that were not true, none of us would have any hope. We're going to close this service in worship. And here's, here's what you should be asking the Lord for. Lord, give me the will to keep sowing. Lord, give me the will to make it from planting all the way to harvest. As I set my will on you... Help me do it for me, for my wife, for my children, Lord, for our children's children, because we know for certain. Do you know when this was introduced in the Bible? Right after a global catastrophic flood. That's a strange time to be talking about planting and harvesting. And it was in a positive sense. God has always hovered over your darkness and chaos. 
His word has always brought light and growth in new ways. He has always been able to fix unfixable situations. You just have to trust him enough to actually do what he says. And I believe this church is growing in that. Would you stand to your feet? It's easier to preach conviction onto people than it is inspiration onto people. But as we prayed today, we actually believe that there's seed here that God is going to make grow. That's just up to you. Not as some miserable sinner. Not as some leper who doesn't deserve to be in the family of God. But as a son or daughter that has already been renewed in the labor. And is being led by the Spirit and directed by His Word. Could you maybe make it to this altar as a golden altar tonight? Not so much in repentance, but in an expression of partnership with what you know God wants to do in your life and He will now do through your trust in Him. You may find yourself standing at His throne in a way you never have. And that's that's a gift from God. He didn't owe you that. He just delights in doing it. He likes to fix broken things. Father, we give you this time right now We thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you have not repaid us as we deserved. Instead, you have given us the grace to turn around. And you are providing the water for the seed to grow. And you are providing the seed itself. Now, Lord, we are asking for the will to finish what we have started in you. That our trust in you would be strengthened and grow. Lord, we cry out to you for our families. For we know that you desire to bless them. We cry out to you for our children. For we know that you desire to bless them. Mighty God, we cry out for our household. Say, rain your righteousness upon them.